doing really Taka Emma's Gishmak is we suggested that a person's being a person's personality and wrong words. We when we'd like to discuss, when we'd like to have clarity, when we'd like to see something, the reason why an eye can see is because it's able to perceive boundaries. Sightedness and the accuracy of sight is defined by the ability to recognize the boundaries of a given object in its context. The worse a person's eyesight is, the greater um, the blurring is between the beginning of one object and the beginning of the next. And therefore a person, for example, who is short-sighted, he sees, he doesn't see clearly defined objects, he just sees shapes. But he doesn't really know, he can't point out where one begins and the other ends. Sightedness, acuity of vision, is based on understanding the precise point at which an object comes to an end. And when you can see that, then your vision is excellent. If you can't see that, and you look into the horizon, and it's not clear if that's, if, is it a tree, is it a rock, is, it a, is that the mountain, or is that the sky already? So then you don't have a clear sense of what you're seeing. This is true in the world of ideas. In the world of ideas, the sightness, seeing the idea, understanding it with a crispness and accuracy mean, means that you can, you can clearly define the parameters of the given idea. The more, the more blurred the expression and definition is, so the harder it is to see what it is, to understand what it is, and to differentiate between it and something else. All the ideas kind of morph, morph together. Whereas when a person describes the accuracy, he knows exactly where the idea stops and the next one begins. General introduction. When discussing the self, of course, this becomes slightly more complicated. Because when you get to certain levels of the self, language doesn't necessarily act as an effective medium of, co of conversation, of, of communication, because language is based on a shared definition of an objectively observable object or phenomenon. We all see this bottle, we can call it a bottle, and we all know that when I say bottle I'm referring to this. But if I have a purely subjective movement of self deep inside myself, and it's not a common experience, it's not a shared experience, so there's no way I can have words to communicate it to you. Unless, of course, we could somehow ascertain that our experience was identical and then I could say, did you just feel that zagublaba? And you say, oh, magic. But if you don't know what a zagublaba is, because it's something which I have experienced and you haven't, so when I come to explain it to you, I'll never get it across. So it could be we're going to venture into the world of touching on the deepest levels of self where language may no longer be useful, but we have to get there. Until we get there, we can use the sightedness of crisp definitions to find out how self is structured. To which end we discussed that there are four clearly definable parts of self. And they are going from outwards to inwards. A person's most external sense of self, where a person's periphery of personality exists, is in his possessions. He identifies with the products 
and the things, clothes, um, jewelry, houses, cars that he buys. And he feels invested to greater or lesser degrees in those possessions as an expression of himself. The barometer for testing how much of yourself you find in your possessions is the pain and pleasure you experience with the acquisition or their loss. The more invested you are in something as a sense of self, the deeper will be the sense of pain when it's destroyed. The less invested you are, the less will be the experience of pain that you if the greater will be the pleasure when you get it. If you're not invested in the less will be the pleasure of you being invested. In other words, if a person very deeply, very deeply into his possessions and he's just spent enormous amounts of money and he doesn't really have that amount of money, but he's invested heavily. He's gone into debt to buy the new BMW Z4, Z4, Z4. <laughs> With leather seats and a huge engine which is three times, if not ten times the size needed for the particular car in question. And when he turns on the ignition and he feels the purring, nay, the roaring of the engine. <laughs> <laughs> he feels a deep sense of satisfaction in the depths of his soul. And as he pulls out of his driveway, and just with a subtle touch to the accelerator, he propels forward, he feels an ecstatic sense of power. And then he drives further onto the road, and then he... <laughs> By the way, guys, if any of you are interested in buying a car, I just happen to have a, you know, in my spare time, I'm a used car salesman. <laughs> Come to me for the best deals. On your new BMW Z4, we have other models available for the family, family man we have. <laughs> and as you go onto the highway and you feel the control, the way this car hugs the road, the joy is unequaled. What happens is you go for a little spin, come home, you park the car, and you are walking around your house singing from delight and joy and half an hour later you come out to a mistake on purpose having to run another errand merely an excuse to get into the car and you go into the driveway and you look for the car and it is nowhere to be seen and you're living in a, in a country where when cars are gone they are gone South Africa. And <laughs> your immediate reaction is to tear Korea <laughs> and make the broch of Diane Emmes. Because you feel you just lost a close relative. <laughs> ah! It's wrenching, it's a pain. It's Take a person that doesn't find his identity and expression in those type of material things. He's gone one step further. This time, it's not something external to him, which is, which is, again, in level of expression of self, bought items used in expression of self are probably the most pathetic when experiencing self-identity. 
because the person who made it isn't even you. Someone made something else, which is a generic model, and then you invest your personality into it. So it's almost a declaration and an annulment of your own individuality. How sad. So people who rest their identity in possessions are, are tragic cases because there's something intrinsically depersonalized about living in an object that someone else made. Granted, if you made it yourself, it's slightly better, but it ain't great. But some people are above that. They're above that. They, they could lose the BMW. It wouldn't phase them that much. But why do they spend a lot of time in the mirror? So it's not all mirrors. It's only mirrors that they can see their own reflection in. You see these people, you see them, you find these, there are people like this, they, they frequent often gyms. They frequent gyms. They frequent gyms. Gyms? Gyms? Gym? Gym. Gymnasiums. Frequent gyms. They frequent gyms. So you get these people, they frequent gyms. And you see them, of course, of course, the reason why they need to work in front of the mirror is to make sure they're doing the exercise correctly. Good. That accounts for the fact that they're looking at their biceps. But could you please explain to me the pursed lips and the loud sound of the passage of air as this occurs? And then you see like the sideways glance just to make sure that my face looks adequately intense. How many people, gyms are, gyms are a dangerous place. How many people have fallen off treadmills when they make the speed? Ah. They make the speed fast enough and then they have to like kind of get an appraisal of how, how they're doing in the eyes of those around them. Oh, look at me. Oh, I'm going faster than a buck. Well done. And as they do so, they lose their concentration and before long they are flung onto the floor. The, the, the obsession of, of body becomes, in certain circles, extreme. People buy clothes which are too small for them to, to allow all ripples of their flesh to be seen. <laughs> but people invest themselves in it. The same people, some people focus on the upper parts of their body. At least perhaps the face is, is, is a more higher level than the chest. Often you see people, it's, uh, you've come across Gabriel, these people who like, they get so obsessed with the chest, they realize that when they w started working out and until now they neglected their legs. And then you see these triangular people. <laughs> <laughs> massive shoulders and torsos, huge chest and these like spindly little legs. <laughs> it's good because you can use them as a dreidel on Hanukkah. <laughs> Uh, no, classic, classic era, classic. Um, there are people who, who then go, go further up in the body and they, they rest their identity in their facial features. And they always, one of, one of the best and most enjoyable anthrop anthropological pursuits is sit yourself very, very subtly next to a, a, a mirror. One of these big mirrors, like in a public place, and watch people as they walk past. 
guaranteed entertainment guaranteed because people some people are are unashamed and they literally stop and look at themselves and they'll think to themselves bless God thou creator of the world who has made someone as beautiful as me <laughs> you can see when people are upset with their looks when again people like myself who are follically challenged and they find the hair <laughs> they find the hair like for them for them it's an issue like no one else in the entire universe notices the angle of their one remaining hair <laughs> but for them it's worthy of a 10 minute procedure where they try to coax it somehow down the forehead bathe it in gel until it makes a subtle s shape <laughs> As, as, as we go through these levels of identity, you can clearly see that I'm not quite sure if I've passed through them or living in them. <laughs> <laughs> then you get people who, who move themselves more inward. So the first level is possessions. The next level is physical appearance and body. The third level inwards is personality. People pride themselves on their, their humor, their ability to interact with others, um, their quickness of wit, their contribution to a conversation, their um, ability to connect to people and make them feel good, their acts of kindness, or perhaps they are arrogant and they feel that they are above others and they pride themselves on the fact that everyone is below them. For better or for worse, but at the end of the day you're locating your sense of identity in an external part of yourself because just as your possessions are given to you just as your body is given to you your traits are given to you they're given to you I'll explain how this how, this, how, this, how the entire perception of self switches just bear with me the entire perception of self switches at a certain point I explained to you and I've already anticipated it briefly with that comment you get people who then move ever inwards and it's no longer their personality which becomes a defining sense of self but it's their intellectual grasp even perhaps deeper than that their worldview their values and that's what defines them it's a very tricky one this but it's, it's something closer to the core but it's based on the deep understanding the understanding of how the world works understanding how how things should be and they pride themselves on their, on their prowess in grasping. Deeper, it's even deeper than personality. It's in a world which is purely abstract. In terms of going from the, most, the most philosophical beliefs. Going from the most tangible and concrete to the most ethereal and abstract. That, that, that's a four-level process. Now, where do we see a source which discusses these four levels? <laughs> Where do we see a source for this? We see it, strangely enough, it crops up in an unusual place in the scroll of Esther, Megillah's Esther. And in Megillah's Esther, there is a plot to destroy the Jewish people. 
that's uh, Yiddish, spoken in English, describing the nation of Israel. And in their plot to, discuss, to destroy the Jewish people, Haman HaRasha, the evil Haman, decides to destroy the Jewish people completely. And in the verse, it says the following words. And I will send, and we will send documents in the hands of the messengers to all the provinces of the king to destroy to kill and to cause to be lost all the Jews Minav ad zokain, from young to old, tough children, benoshim and women. B'yoyim echad on one day, b'shloisha asar lachodesh shneim asar, the thirteenth of the twelfth month, hu chodesh adar, u shlalom lavois, and their spoils, their possessions will be plundered. Says the Vilna Gaon in his commentary. Shmelka of the Megillus Esther says the Vilnagon. If you go through this verse, it hints to the four levels of self. Four levels of self. What are the four levels of self? He says, look at the words. It says laharoik to kill. Surely that's enough. Surely that's enough. You would kill the Jewish people. That's what Haman wanted to do. Why does it say lahashmid ulabeid? So he explains that each of those verbs refers to a different level of destruction. Laharoig means to kill. That means to kill the bodies, to physically destroy them. That's the body. Lashmid, the expression of shmad means when a person gives up his religion. It means to uproot, decimate the neshama, the seichel, the philosophy of a person. Ulaabeid means to destroy the personality, the ruach. Ushlalam Levois and their goods will be plundered refers to the destruction of their possession. Haman Arasha wanted to eliminate all four levels of self. They are what we now using different terminology. Previously we used possessions, body, personality, philosophy. Now we'll use a different nomenclature. That's an American word? I don't think it's an American word, I think it's just a word. Again, I was I was just merely asking if Americans understand big words. <laughs> <laughs> it's per gimel, possibly good gimel, and the Vilnagon's perish. The Vilnagon says that the person is made up of neshama, ruach, nefesh, kinyan, neshama, soul, ruach, spirit, nefesh, animal soul, body sometimes it's called and finally possessions Haman HaRasha wanted to destroy the Neshama the spiritual component the philosopher philosophical component he wanted to destroy the spirit the emotional component he wanted to destroy the body and even the possessions he wanted to completely plunder and get rid of interestingly enough the Vilnagon goes on to say explain how the four mitzvahs of Purim Correspond to the four four chalkan nefesh, the four parts of the cell. See if you can work it out. Four mitzvahs on Purim.
sending gifts to the poor, Mishloach Manas, reading the Megillah, Mishteh Vesimcha, drinking and, and eating, and Matonis Lev Yoinim. Sorry, Mishloach Manas, exchanging friends, exchanging gifts with your friends, Kriyas Megillah, reading the Megillah, Mishteh Vesimcha, eating and drinking, and Matonis Lev Yoinim, giving gifts to the poor. Which mitzvah corresponds to which part of the soul? Of the self. The, uh, eating, and eating. eating and drinking corresponds to the the body. The body. Go on. Giving gifts. Uh, giving gifts to your friend corresponds to the possessions. Personality. Personality. Connect, b- making a connection with someone, a friendship. You're not giving tzedakah. You're not giving. You're exchanging gifts. Matonis levyonim is how you use your possessions to help another person. And Kriyas Megillah, which is a presentation of how the Abishta runs the world, is your neshama. Well, what's the difference between giving gifts? When, you, when, I, when, when, when I invite you over to my house, mm-hmm. which could be a, a, an, an, an effective fulfillment of Mishlach Monas, and I invite you over for a meal. The point is not that you have food to eat. The point is that through the meal we bond. You know this. It's important to know when you go to people for Shabbos and when you invite them. The goal is not that they get food, but when I invite a poor person to my house, or if I get better, I give him money, money for food, the food itself, the goal is he should have food. So then I'm using my possessions. The goal of the myth is to take my possessions and assist someone else with them. Over here, I'm using my personality, my midst to connect. Yes? You are following me? Now, until now we've discussed, are you, yeah. so now we have a source. Dini, we have a source. Shmelke, like we have a source. For at least four out of the five levels. He doesn't mention a fifth level, right? And there are five levels. But he only mentions four, which is interesting. Why, why are you looking at me with that quizzical expression? Is it because you're bored? Is it because you don't know what I'm talking about? Is it because you're thinking, this guy's going on now. I want to go back to the BMW. Oh, you're waiting for the money. <laughs> go on. Which, 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 which one is is the philosophy that's your ideas your worldview the way you perceive Ruach is your personality that's your emotions your heart the heart of who you are Nefesh is corresponds to the body, that's the, the life force, and Kenyan is your possessions. The fifth level. Ah, one second. We, we did, we did, but we have to, we have to be patient, you know. But at least we have, again, I think there were certain elements of the share that were, were doubting the, the authenticity my presentation so they approached me and they said we need sources Rabbi we personally think you're making up as you go along (laughs) 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 they didn't say that was the intention they didn't say in so many words so so that blow and being like relegated beneath like the ability of other rabbis on the campus those are two two massive blows to to I think my ruach (laughs) my ruach was getting affected very badly there I think that's where I'm existing at this point in time so it knocked me so my ruach was a little bit broken so I'm like I'm coming back with a vengeance I won't have this Exactly. That you destroy the I, I even destroyed the remnant testimony. What's your, what's your 
Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> the Kitsur. Good. So now we have we have a model. In other words, the reason why I have this model is to make crisp delineations so we are sighted and we can differentiate between the different parts of our persona. Now, try to apply this practically. And try to think to yourself in some type of self-exploratory exercise, where, 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 where is my primary identity? Where does it lie? So it's a fascinating exercise to do. Because obviously it's not going to come out that cut and dry. Oh, I, I live complete my possessions. No one does completely live in their possessions. They also live in their personality. They also live in their philosophy. They'll be, they'll be offended if you, if you... Yes, offense is a good way if, if it's taken away. So taking away possessions is you physically remove them. Taking away even the body, you know, is when the person, the marshal, something happens to his body. Starts to age. Suddenly, his his youthful face starts to look a little bit tired and haggard. You start to get incredible rubber-like flexibility in your facial muscles. The way you the way you remove a person's personality is often what you. <laughs> the, way, the way you remove a person's personality is uh, insults. <laughs> Very good tactic. Whenever you're in an embarrassing situation that your cell phone rings, stare with the filthiest stare at the person next to you. <laughs> try, try, tried and tested. Tried and tested. Okay, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so when you, the way you take away possessions, you take them away. The way you take a person loses bodies, he loses his body. Never. The way a person loses his personality can often be inflicted upon others. Insult. Insult can make a person can can just destabilize, can almost steal your sense of self. And the way a person loses his intellect, let's say his philosophy, is if he's out argued. As an example, these are just examples, right? There are many ways. As an example, I take away, your, I undermine your philosophy, I, I dispel your view of the world. So each of those, which you represent, they aren't, I'm not saying this is the neshama, this is the, but they correspond to those levels of self. It's important to have a, a bit of a working model of levels of self. So when we start to think where our personality rests, we can probably locate different parts of our personality, different stages of the day, different stages of our life in different places. You see, children, obviously, they, they exist in, in the lower part of themselves. A child is deeply invested in his possessions. Haven't you noticed that when you take away a child's toy, the reaction doesn't really correspond to, to the, the toy. He's playing with, again, this could be, he's playing with a bent screw. But for him, this bent screw is, uh, I don't know what it is, it's a... Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a tiny little hammer that he uses to chase ants, whatever it is. That's <laughs> really sadistic. <laughs> chase. Uh, well, I was going to say squash, and <laughs> then you go over to him and you say, "Yankele, Yankele, I don't want you playing with bent screws." So in your mind, silly kid, playing with bent screws. I'll just take it away. So you think that you say, "Oh, 
Thank you, mommy. Half finished. What was I thinking? So he goes, no. And we were talking about like three years old at this point. Three, three, four. He says, no. So he say, Yankula, Yankula, you can pick yourself. Don't play with a bent screw. So he says, no, go away. And then you go and come, Yankula. Give daddy the screw. Uh, and he clasps his hand tighter than a safe. So what you do is you start to prize his fingers. And you start to think that this is going to, it could be a situation of needing to apply some rules of self-defense. Because he goes absolutely berserk. And you take his screw away and then if you add insult to injury by throwing it into the garbage, he's distraught as a person. What have you done? So if you see it, if your identity rests in that screw, because that's your possession, and now someone's saying away from it, you're killing me. So I'm going to fight for my life. It makes absolute sense. And if you don't understand this, so you look at the kid and you think, this kicks my sugar. He's taking those screw, what's the big deal? It's a lack of perception. It's a lack of perception. It's like a lack of discipline. <laughs> Excuse me, Lieutenant. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that's how Chinook worked. Listen, yeah, Yankler. Catch you a screw one more time. You're in detention for 16 years. It's <laughs> <laughs> a long detention. It's got a harsher screw. <laughs> the kids are, ah, we run out of time. Dini, let's fetch one question. Um, you say to the more people invest, you want a lower self, the more you have to change yourself. Say that again. What's the implication of being less invested into a lower sense of the, 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 what's the implication? In other words, the implication is in terms of when it comes to change, it will will be where you need to work on the change. In other words, if my primary sense of self rests in my possessions and I start to try to figure out how I'm going to affect my personality, it's not going to affect my necessarily. It's more complicated because there is an interlinking between all of the different parts of self. Slowly be explored further. What we're trying to achieve is that all those... Oh, what we're trying to achieve is when we get onto the fifth level, everything about the first four levels switches around. And hopefully we'll discuss that next time.